the late 80s, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Pat Trek. My continuing mission to introduce my friend Patrick to the best show that ever ran on television and to boldly go where millions of white guys with glasses have gone before. Hello and welcome to Pat Trek. This is the show where my friend Pat O'Rourke introduces me, Patrick Winnegar, to Star Trek The Next Generation, a show that I have never seen. And I have seen a ton of times. And Patrick, I love this episode. Data's Day. This is a great episode. I liked it too. We needed this. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a little bit of a cold streak for you in particular. Yeah. The loss was not great. This one, I really liked it, it was one of those one-offs that mm-hmm. really did develop the character. Yeah, which a I bottle like. episode for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, even the like, I guess B or C plot, the whole thing with the ambassador and Picard. Yeah, it was captivating and interesting. I love the stuff of the Romulans. Yeah, it was so good. Well, I do have a fun fact for you. Okay, this is the very first appearance of Keiko. Oh. Miles O'Brien's fiance, fiance, soon to be wife, soon to be wife. Yeah, yeah they never introduce us to her. They don't. This. She is just assumed to have always been there. Yeah, and I believe them because you know Miles is off screen a whole lot. So exactly, he's off doing his own thing. We don't have to follow every moment. Of I his would love, love life. to. Me too. I love Miles O'Brien. That's why you're gonna love Deep Space Nine. Okay. Well, this came out on January seventh, nineteen ninety one. And I could not find any newspaper articles, but what I could find is Time Magazine laying out their men of the year. Ooh. And it's full of stuff like Saddam Hussein. What, he's a man of the year? Well, man of the year normally is like people that were in the news. It doesn't uh, necessarily mean people that were good. Oh, so it's not like sexiest man no, alive. No, 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 no. Uh, although, weirdly <laughs> enough, Saddam Hussein is listed as sexiest <laughs> man alive, 1990. Different time. Right. So one of them is Boris Yeltsin. Oh, yeah. Definitely not sexiest man alive. <laughs> yeah. And it's talking about how uh says, elected chairman of the Russian parliament in May, Boris Yeltsin oversees what is by far the largest, wealthiest, and most populous of the Soviet Union's 15 republics. Keep in mind, Soviet Union was still a thing. It would be until December 1991. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Gorbachev is still premier of the Soviet Union. Boris Yeltsin is head of the Russian part of the Soviet Union. Got it. Uh, so that's what's going on. More to the point, Mikhail Gorbachev cannot make a decision without glancing over his shoulder at his one-time comrade-turned-rival who was bounced from the party's ruling Politburo in 1988 because he wanted reforms to move further, faster. With his booming voice, Texas-style handshake, and wide smile, not to mention his reputed fondness for the occasional drink, uh, it was more than reputed, uh... Yeltsin is dismissed by some Western analysts as the Huey Long of Soviet politics. <laughs> Huey Long. Yeah. The Moscow elite may wince at his unabashedly populist attacks against privilege, but to millions, Yeltsin is a reckless street brawler ready to abandon caution to the interest of principle, a modern-day David who took on the establishment Goliath and won. So I think this is interesting because uh, Yeltsin ended up being wildly unpopular. Right. 
and this is like a love story. To yeah, me. well, so he he like the West was always kind of in love with this idea of Yeltsin. He was popular initially in the early '90s because like you know Soviet leadership was kind of distant from what uh, this really stagnant political and economic situation that was going on. And Yeltsin was seen as a change, but then there was this constitutional crisis in 1994 that almost erupted in civil war. And by 96, his approval rating was like 8%. Oh, wow. And then he won an election that he almost certainly stole. Mm. And this is where, like, a whole bunch of stuff happened that we think of when we think of modern Russia, which is like the mafia getting a whole lot of money and, like— a lot of people getting addicted to drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. Like a lot of that happened in the nineties because their entire social safety net bottomed out and got sold off to a bunch of people. Mm. And that happened under Yeltsin. So it's really weird reading this and like how a lot of people in America, I think think of Boris Yeltsin is still like what Kinda we talk goofy. about. Yeah. yeah. Just this goofy drunk guy that everyone loves. Like, no, he, his <laughs> approval rating ended up like in the shitter. Nice. Uh, like, he was wildly unliked, and then he, you know, kind of went brain dead because he drank too much. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to read this stuff from 1991 uh, ab- about Russia because, like, we were still there were still two superpowers in the right? world in 1991. Oh, yeah. You know, one of them was kind of on the decline, and it's weird to think about the world being like that because I was like six years old. Like, I right. don't remember any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's two superpowers now, though. I would argue China's a superpower. Oh yeah, at this point. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So we've now we, there was a period of there time was a where period where it's pretty much we're the only game in town. Yeah, yeah. but now I don't think that that's yeah, necessarily yeah. true, right? So it's just anyway. It's, let's let's get into politics. Yeah. Shall we? <laughs> no, I just I, I just think it's interesting the way it is that, super interesting that, that people were writing about the Soviet Union and Russia and, and, and stuff in the nineties and kind of feels like a lot of it hasn't changed, right? Uh, the, the way that people talk about it and think about it. So I don't know. That's fascinating. Anyway, Data's Day. Data's Day. <laughs> a completely different style of Star Trek episode. Yeah. I loved it. So we are centering in on Data. Uh, th- this whole thing starts off with not a captain's log, but a second officer's log. Yeah. So Data is narrating the entire episode, which I don't think has been done before. Uh, he is talking to Commander Bruce Maddox, who's like some cybernet- uh, cybernetics officer. Yeah, research guy. And... He is giving him a log of his day because this guy is trying to research more about how uh, androids have emotion or something. Yeah, and he is purposefully saying that this guy doing the research has some false claims he's made, and he's trying to prove them wrong. Yeah. So Data is like uh, – this has something to do with uh, measure of a man. Mm Mm-hmm. So Data's adding more evidence to the fact that, like, he is like, no, I actually do have emotions. Yeah. And I will walk you through my day, and I'll prove it to you. Yeah. So uh, he's going through the bridge, and he's talking to—he's watching Riker do his thing. And Riker comes up, and he's like, hey, got to get ready for that wedding. The father of the bride can't be late. Yeah. Which is a weird way to refer to Data, because, you know, he's not anybody's dad except— you know, for uh, what's her name? Lowell or uh, Lowell, something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who uh, is dead. I think it's really interesting. Uh, I think we're led to believe he was taking the night shift because the lights were dimmed. And oh. then once data leaves, Riker goes, all right, let's start our day. And the lights come up. 
So I think everyone was sleeping, and Data takes the night shift because he doesn't need as much sleep as everyone Oh, else. that's right. Yeah, he doesn't have to sleep. Yeah, so this is the very start of the day as hmm. he got off of uh, the third shift. Okay. I thought it was cool. They never yeah, talked about th- they never who drives about it who, at night. Yeah, right. It's Data. Picard's not there. No, Picard's asleep. But Data's always there because he's got to have something to do because he yeah. doesn't have to sleep. Yeah, he's probably bored. Never thought about that. Yeah, so, but Data's like rattling off stuff that is happened i guess in the past shift there's someone going into labor mm-hmm. there's like a bunch of other just regular everyday occurrences uh there's some ship that there is they're gonna rendezvous with and it has an ambassador to pell some vulcan lady who's gonna like data had prepared her quarters or something all this just sounds like routine stuff mm-hmm. but now he's got to go get ready for this wedding <laughs> but first a wedding right <laughs> So Data is narrating, and he's talking about how uh, when he's going to talk to Keiko, who is this woman that's getting married, to Miles O'Brien, that he finds it more difficult than most other people to maintain friendships. Because it's not that he doesn't have feelings. It's not that he doesn't have... Well, he doesn't really have emotions, but like he doesn't really know how to act. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I think it's the subtleties of emotion. He right. takes everything at face value when it's said to him. And as this episode proves out, I think this opening scene is like gold. It yeah. is so good. And as this scene plays out, you see how his and he's walking you through his analysis of the situation. Yeah. Well, how you would think something would be one way and it's completely So different. he's developed these programs to kind of replicate how people act. Right. So he goes and talks to Keiko. Like a psychopath does. Right. <laughs> Except he's not, he's not like, he doesn't have, you know, designs on people or anything. He's just trying to act like a human would. Right. Because he is a person. He's not a human, but he's a person. So he goes and talks to Keiko, and she's distraught. She is like, look, I don't want to go through this with his wedding. And you introduce me and Miles. You mean so much to both of us. And I feel like it would be better if you go and talk to him because I'm canceling the wedding. And yeah, it would make me happy to cancel the wedding. Yes. That's an important part of it. Yeah. And, and so Data's like, well, I don't understand. I thought you would be happy to get married. She was like, yeah, but I now I feel like there's so much pressure and I feel like a weight is crushing down on me. And I know Miles feels the same way. So, <laughs> which is, you know, an assumption on her part. Did you get cold feet before your wedding? Not really. Most of... All right, so most of my frustration was dealing with family. Yeah, everyone else. And everyone else being weird. Yeah, because your family goes crazy when yes. you get married. The yeah. wedding itself, no. We had, a, like, Leslie and I had lived together for a while, you know, yeah. and she didn't even want to get married, and then she was, it was her idea. Yep. And we were like, all right, we'll have a small ceremony, which we did, and it was great. They, but yeah. it was my family that went nuts. Right, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I know Lauren's the love of my life. I was comfortable with that, but I was yeah. tired of everybody else. I was just sick of the planning. I was sick of all, you know, the invitations and, like, the um, parents being strange. Like, And it almost sounds like this is the same thing she's reacting to in it. When she says the pressure. Yeah. And then she kind of takes it out on Miles, I suppose. Poor Miles O'Brien. Well, yeah. So because Data goes to Miles, yeah, and he's in ten forward, and they're prepared. They're going to get married in the bar, which I think is funny. <laughs> you got married in a bar, right? 
No, I got married at the German Cultural Center. Oh. Because they have a they rent out the top floor for that kind of thing. We didn't know each other yet, listener, when he got married. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you weren't invited. <laughs> but, we hadn't met. Yeah. But yeah, so they're clearing out the 10 forward, and Miles is there talking to Jordy. And Data's like, Miles, I have good news. Yeah, because on his way there, we hear the voiceover of Data being like, Miles has told me all he ever wants to do is make her happy. Right. And, and, this, this, and, and Miles knows that whatever makes her happy, he's going to be happy with. Right. And her ca- canceling the wedding will make him happy. Right. So he's like, I have good news. He's like, okay, cool. Keiko's canceling the wedding. Right. <laughs> and he's, he's like, like what? what? Oh, my God. Ah! <laughs> and he's pissed. Yeah, of course. Because she didn't talk to him. Yeah, what? It's the I future. Kn- I know. Talk to each other. You, you got to go break this news to him in person. And he storms off. And Data's like, what? I don't understand. And Jordy's there. He's like, Data, what did you do? <laughs> Buddy. Next time, let me deliver the good news, man. Right, yeah. <laughs> so Data's still doing a second officer's log and he's walking down the halls and he's like, huh? Well, that's weird. You know, I've been on this <laughs> ship for 1500 days and I've seen, and he's like listing all these things that are happening, uh, since he's been commissioned and all these birthdays. And like, there's, uh, I've seen Hindu festival of lights. I've seen chess tournaments, you know, like I, I've seen school plays. Like I thought that I have gotten how people act by now, but because, like, he makes a point to go to all this stuff. Right, so he learns. Right, and he's like, pretty much it's just a regular day. Like, he's walking through his regular day, and he's going to all these other people's events and celebrations and performances. Yeah, it's kind of creepy and weird. It is, because he just hangs out in the back and watches. <laughs> and we see him do this this entire episode. And I, I actually love this about this episode, that Data just, like, stays behind and watches. Like, well, I don't know anybody here. I mean, Might as well just eavesdrop. <laughs> I mean, this is later, but when he's standing in the doorway, uh, it was Juarez who was pregnant, right? Juarez, yeah. Juarez, yeah. Uh, and it's a gynecology exam. Right, and he's, and he's standing there out. watching. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh, my God. So, like, Excuse me, bro. <laughs> Data is going to the transporter room, because remember, they're bringing that uh, Vulcan ambassador on board to Pell. Mm-hmm. She shows up. Data's escorting her to the turbo lift, and she's like, all I want to do is talk to the captain. And Data is, you know, thinking to himself. This is his inner monologue. He's like, you know, technically, I'm probably most like a Vulcan. I don't really have emotions per se. But these people kind of creep me out. <laughs> like, yeah, he feels he wants to be closer to humans, even though he knows he's actually closer to Vulcans. He says, I feel that their philosophy is kind of limiting. Yeah, I think this is super interesting because if you remember way back in season one, the reason they made Data was to sort of be a, a syndicate of, of Spock. He was meant right. to be a representation. But of he doesn't the, want to be that. Yeah, so in this, they're they're declaring him his own character in this episode, which I really like. Yeah. So they go to the ready room, and Picard is there, Riker's there, Data's there, and T'Pel is there. And T'Pel is just coldly saying hello to everyone, and she's like, oh, who's who's this? And... Picard is like, that's uh, Commander Riker. He's my number one. And she's like, please leave. <laughs> and so Riker is like, all right. And he and Data leave. And as they're leaving, Riker goes, charming woman. And we hear <laughs> we hear Data's uh, uh, voiceover. And he's like, 
I could tell that when he said charming woman, he did not actually mean it. <laughs> I'm still trying to grasp sarcasm. Yeah, like, it's the thing I'm working on. He can't really get sarcasm. And uh, then we see this next scene. Jordy's in his barber shop. So we, so, had, yeah, a we, we, did mention, we had a whole conversation about barbers. Do they get their hair cut? Do they get it cut with lasers or whatever? <laughs> and now we actually see it happen. Yeah, and they, it's gold scissors. They Yep. They still have scissors. <laughs> the only thing that's different is that we see in the background of the scene this woman getting her hair dyed right. with a magic wand. That's the only thing that's different. <laughs> they still use scissors and whatever. So there's this blue guy, and I guess he knows Jordy. Mm-hmm. And we've met these blue guys before. What I know that we have. It I starts don't, with a B. I don't know what they are, yeah, what this remember. guy's name is. but We have met them before, though. Jordy is cracking jokes with him about how he's a shitty barber. <laughs> and the barber's cracking jokes with him about how he's ugly or something. Yeah, like, well, just keep my ears even this time, yeah, bud. They're, they're clear, laughing. They're clearly, like, joking, mm-hmm. and they're friends with each other. And we hear Data's voiceover. He's like, you know, I'm still trying to get the hang of, of like, being able to joke with a friend, you know, just ribbing. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. So he starts talking to Jordy, and he's like, Jordy asks for some basic information, and Data gives it to him, and he goes, you lunkhead? <laughs> he just adds lunkhead to the end. Right. And Jordy's Jordy, like, what the hell? Yeah, Jordy's like, why, why are you calling me that? And Data's like, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get, like, friendly ribbing. I'm mm-hmm. practicing. And Jordy's like, oh, okay. Well, don't practice on the captain. He's like, <laughs> oh my God, no. Data does declare Jordy to be his best friend. Yes, too. that's the other thing that we learn. In yeah, he says, Jordy is my best friend. Uh, I feel like I understand him better than anyone else on the ship. So that's mm-hmm. why he's comfortable practicing on him. <laughs> so, <laughs> lunkhead. I know. It's not, it, there's no context to it. Yeah. It's like if I called you a lunkhead right now, it'd for be like, no why? reason. Yeah, why did, why did you say that? That's but, also a the, weird insult. <laughs> But yeah, then Data's talking about the situation with Keiko and Miles. He's trying to understand this concept of cold feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, you know, getting jitters before they get married and, and maybe backing out. And Jordy's like, look, I'm telling you, these people are going to get married. This is a temporary situation. They'll overcome it. You just got to let them do it. So make sure you have a gift right. because this is going to happen. Right. So Don't just plan on it. Yeah. And Data's like, oh, yeah, the gift. That's right. So he goes to like some, I guess it's like a communal replicator or something. Yeah, I don't know what this is. It's, it's like, like Amazon. Store. Yeah, they're, they're, Amazon. They're, going, <laughs> they're going through like a list and like pictures of stuff that they can order on the replicator. So I guess it's different than a normal one because it has a picture viewer. So instead of putting in the code for the thing you want, right. you're you like just, browsing. Like, you can see what it is before you get mm-hmm. it. So uh, yeah. I, thought, I had never seen this thing before. No, neither have I. And Worf is going through it, and I guess he's looking for a gift, too. And Data's like, hey, Worf, uh, you've been to human weddings before, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Could you help me get a gift? He was like, sure, sure, of course. And they're looking through gifts in China. (laughs) It's all China. It's all all glassware and stuff. Who wants that? Well... What boring couple in a, in, a, in a world where you can replicate literally anything you need. You have no need for China that you've got to store somewhere. Well, that, any gift would be like stuff you already can get. Well, it would have to be highly personal. Yeah. Like I thought of you when I saw this and I. God, gift giving would be so difficult. It'd be so hard. <laughs> but a generic glass for wine. So that's what they got. The wine comes in a glass when you get it from the replicator. Well, I, I thought the funny thing was, <laughs> was that. Worf is like, oh, my parents used to get this for people at weddings. It's like, and he's, he a- treats it like something alien. It's like, 
That's the culture you grew up in, Ward. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you don't know anything different. Plus, you love blood wine, man. Yeah. You can use You a can wine drink glass. that out of that. <laughs> That's what it's for. You know what a cup does? <laughs> but he helps Data, like, look yeah. for stuff. And they're talking about, like, getting gifts and stuff and, and what goes on at weddings. And then Worf is like, yeah, I don't really like the sentimentality of human weddings, but there's a lot of stuff you got to do. You got to get gifts. You got to dance. Ugh. And Data's like, oh, uh-oh. Dance? Got to dance. So he goes, <laughs> this is where he's standing in oh, the, the doorway, doorway yeah. while Juarez is getting a medical exam for her baby. You know, because she is in labor. <laughs> and he's just hanging in the back, like, oh 15 feet God. away, just watching. Oh, my like, God. What Can are you imagine you... being in the family finally, and the robot shows up I know. to stare at you? Jesus. So, <laughs> finally, Crusher sees. It's like, okay, what? Grabs him and pulls yeah, him. Yeah, pulls him away. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like. It's such a funny scene. Hey, could you give me dance lessons? <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> what? what? I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Why are you asking me this? He was like, well, there's a wedding, and... He doesn't tell her it's a wedding. Well, that's right, yeah. He's so like, she's not invited to Miles O'Brien's wedding. That's yeah, a big that's thing right. She's like... took away from this episode. Uh, he says... He doesn't like Beverly Crusher, I guess. <laughs> and even though he's in there a lot, like, he injures himself... Uh, Miles injures himself in the holodeck, like, yeah. going rafting or Strictly whatever. Strictly professional. Damn. <laughs> so... But he tells her he needs to learn to dance. Yeah, Data's like, I need to learn how to dance. And I looked in your records and found that you know jazz and tap. And she's like, who, why did you find that? I don't want anyone to know that I know how to dance. Mm-hmm. Because I used to be known as the dancing doctor, and I hated it. So don't tell anybody. But yes, I do love dancing, so I will teach you how <laughs> so to do teach it. You, yeah, I think this is great, but don't tell anybody. Right. And in real life, Gates McFadden was a professional dancer. Was Brett Spiner as well? I don't know. Do you know? I, I mean, know he she, was. She's clearly dancing in some of these scenes where it's an extra taking his Yeah, spot, I know Brett Spiner came from the, sta- the stage acting scene in Houston. Yeah, so he's not. He knows how to dance a little, probably. Probably. Not the yeah. same way she Yeah, does. but she was like a professional dancer before right. Star Trek. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, okay, I'll. I'll teach you how to dance. Meanwhile, Data uh, has he has to go to the bridge, and Picard is like, "Hey, so we're gonna go near the neutral zone, just so you know. I know that this is probably a shock or kind of uh, scary, but look, just look up the Romulan defenses around these coordinates, and we hear this voiceover while Data's doing it." Where he's talking about how, I'm so glad I don't have emotions, because normally I'd be scared shitless. <laughs> but you can tell he's still kind of freaked out. He's, like, tapping his finger, and he even looks down at his finger as he's just, like, tapping it like you would a yeah. nervous tick. So they're going near the neutral zone. They may encounter conflict, which, uh, yeah, we, and we see his hand doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Then Data goes in the ready room, and he's talking up a card about uh, the Romulan strategy. And he says, here's what I think they're doing. So we're seeing a lot of Romulan ships in this sector that we're headed to. And it's getting not quite into the neutral zone, but very close to it. And what I think they're doing is that they are probing the Federation reaction. They're trying to figure out what our defenses are by getting just on the brink of something that would cause a conflict, but not quite there. And there's a 90% probability they are just going to keep doing this. Mm Mm-hmm. Because why wouldn't they? Right. They're, they're not just, technically breaking. The, they're doing the I'm not touching you thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Clearly, they're pointing at you, but they haven't touched you yet. Right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Ambassador Tapel is like, look, I don't need an escort uh, for this mission. But she doesn't say what the mission is. Mm-mm. Data uh, then goes back to his quarters, and we see him. I like this little interaction. He orders, like, Supplement 74 or something, and we think it's something for his, you know, for him, but it's actually cat food. Yeah. And he puts it out for his little tabby cat. Yeah. And cat eats it, jumps on his lap while he's trying to work on something, and you know, he has this nice interaction with Spot, mm-hmm. which is his cat. Worst name ever, but perfect for Data. Well, he doesn't know what a cat, cat name is or a dog name. <laughs> yeah. Then Miles O'Brien comes in. Another great scene. This scene is Yeah, fantastic. I love it. Uh, so we we hear Data's voiceover, and he's like, oh, I see Miles O'Brien is upset, and he's upset because of the wedding thing. I know that most of my friends try to make people comfortable when they're upset. So he keeps offering him a seat to sit down, a pillow, a drink, some classical music or something. Miles is like, no, just no, please just stop. I just want to talk to you, dude. I just want to get information into your ears. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, look, you knew Keiko before I met her, but you introduced us. You mean a lot to both of us. And she won't talk to me, which is, that's kind of shitty. Yeah, I know. Call off the wedding like you won't even talk to, yeah, to whoever you call it off. I, know. I don't know if this marriage is going to make it. Yeah, I don't think that they should get married, honestly. <laughs> if you can't talk to each other about getting married, right? there's some pretty deep... You should probably not get married. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my... we're just two married guys. <laughs> we're not experts in marriage. Just saying, communication is key. Yeah, so... When my... that's broken is when you get your biggest fights. So Miles is like, could you just talk to her? Because... She she won't talk to me, and I need to figure out what's going on, and I need to convince her to get married. So go talk to her. And he's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this challenge. I think I can do it. Because she must have looked at the variables wrong. Right. Because she doesn't seem more happy. So maybe she should reassess her choice. Yeah. So it's Data, a, a very mathematical approach. It is. And, and Data keeps thinking of other people operating the same way as himself, which, you know, I don't think he is capable of, like, He's a bit of a narcissist. Well, he, he's built that way. Yeah, totally. But we'll cut to later his view on love. Right. It's a very narcissistic view on what love is. Yeah, so he, he goes to this arboretum where Keiko's working. She's working with a bunch of plants and stuff. And he's like, hey, Keiko, um, I need to talk to you about this wedding with Miles. I don't think that you've assessed it properly. And she's like, what are you talking about? He says, well, you said you would call off the wedding because that would make you happy. But I look at you now and you're not happy. And you can kind of see for a second where she's like, ah, shit, he's right. Mm -hmm. But then she's like, data, it's more complicated than that. Yeah. You don't get it. Yeah, dude. You need need to stop. He's (laughs) like, look, I understand that this is your decision. That's not in dispute. What is in dispute is that you're not happy, and you think you're happy, and you think you've made the right decision. So the only course of action is to make the opposite decision. That's yeah. just what I'm saying you should do. And she storms off. She's like, look, this is not your decision, which it isn't. No. And <laughs> should really get out of there. Yeah, so he does. Yeah, he leaves. And then he goes and talks to uh, to Troy. I liked this scene which as well. I did like this. Too. I'm going to keep saying that about this. Episode I know because it's great. But his Deanna voiceover Troy in the scene too is great. Right? Yeah. His voiceover is like Troy's the person that I understand the least, and that's because she deals with emotions and she's an empath, and I don't understand emotions firsthand. Mm-hmm. I only can replicate them. And that's not the same. 
also, uh, she can't read him. Yeah. So he assumes she must feel the same way about me. And we just saw that episode, how uncomfortable that she feels when she's unable to do that. Right. She so feels I that way doubt, data all the time. I doubt that these people hang out that much. No, they're not friends. <laughs> yeah. But he's talking to Troy about this wedding situation. She's like, look, Data, I understand you're in a weird situation. But what you got to do is just let them work it out. Because, you know, maybe they'll get married and it'll be fine. Maybe they won't. But that is a decision that they will come to. Love is complicated. Yeah. And he's like, oh, huh. Well, you know, I've researched marriage and all these different planets. And this planet does that. And this planet does that. She's like, look, you can't. It's not a research thing. Well, he's like, I want to understand all of the variables of love. Right. Yeah. And, and she goes, like, once you figure that out, you tell me. Right. <laughs> it's, she's like, I think it's way more complicated than, a, than like an equation. Oh, totally. And people get married for a lot of reasons. But ultimately, it's a very important decision because what you're deciding to do is spend your life together and grow old with somebody. And he's like, huh. Well, that's interesting. And she's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, I've considered marriage, and I can't grow old with anybody. And she's, she's very surprised by this fact that Data has considered marriage. But it's like, you know, he has feelings. He just doesn't really process or show them sure. the same way yeah. that a, a human would. This scene made me sad. Yeah. and He, wa- he announces he would like to He get announces married. that he would like a mate. He was like, I feel like I would have a lot to offer. I just, you know, I can't age or die Mm -hmm. so that would be really bad (laughs) and i think it's interesting because when he was talking about his variables of love the very first one he brings up is in regards to procreation right and that must be on his mind a lot a lot because i don't think he can't yeah you can't procreate like a human would no so you can build another robot but that's it well like a heteronormative right yeah yeah but he he can procreate he can't do it in yeah 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 exactly but it's it's interesting because you would think that that would be top of mind for him. Again, is like this idea of like what defines love and marriage. He's at, he's wondering now a new variable is thrown in, growing old together. But clearly, based on what he was saying earlier, he's also wondering if procreation is part of love. Yeah, and like he's built, which it isn't. isn't. Yeah, it's not. A no, necessary and I think he thing. Is, I think that's why he brought it up, though. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you see him seek out these deep relationships a lot. You know, mm-hmm. he has that relationship. With Tasha Yar, you know, even though she's dead, he he keeps all of her things yeah. around. He built a daughter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. He is seeking out these deep relationships, but he doesn't know if he can fulfill them. And it's because of how different he is, because he knows he can't die. Yeah, he struggles with friendship. Right. Because he knows that one day, like Jordy, Jordy's going to die, and Data's going to keep going. Yeah. I mean, Data, I guess, could blow up. Right. Someone shoots him with a photon torpedo. He can die violently. He can't die a natural death. No. So that's got to mess with him. Oh, totally. And we, when we see that here, which Especially I think is Especially cool. a concept like love and friendship. Right. Which are dependent upon your relationship with somebody else. Yeah. But this whole scene is interrupted because Ambassador Tapel has asked for Data. Ah, plot! Oh. That's such a good scene! I know. No, so they had Tepel, to get out of there, though. They would have milked it too did. long. I know. So <laughs> Tapel is like... I require information on your deflector shields. And she gives us access code. And he's like, well, uh, that is the correct code. And I can give you that information. But I'm just asking why you're asking for this. And she's like, that's all I needed to know. Mm-hmm. That you're capable of giving that information. And then she dismisses him. 
It was weird. It was really weird. Super weird. And he's, like, in his head, he's saying, yeah, that was really weird. I know Vulcans are incapable of lying, which I didn't know. I don't think they're incapable, though. I think that that's kind of a misstatement of Vulcan. Yeah. uh, Or the Vulcan way. They, They don't tend to lie, but I don't think it's impossible for them to lie. Right. Seems strange. It does. Like, there's times... Why would you be an ambassador or a diplomat if you can't lie? You know, or, or you make the truth bit. relevant to your argument, right? Which is kind of that's bending the truth. But w- what we do here is Data saying that he hears a lot about gut feelings and instinct, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have them. Yeah, and he wishes he did in this moment because something was off about this. Then he goes to the holodeck because remember he has that dance lesson. So Doctor Crusher has recreated the first studio that she learned dance, and they go through this sequence where she teaches him tap. And Data watches her feet and is able to totally recreate it. Uh, and super funny because he like picks it up right away. Yep. And then they cut to the wide, and this is where HD TV does not treat the series well. Oh, totally different person. Clearly yep. a different person playing yeah. Data, tapping along with Gates McFadden, and you're like, oh, that's a guy who's meant to look like he can dance. <laughs> yeah. Then Data's like, oh well, uh, this will come in handy at the wedding, and she's like, wait, you didn't tell me this was for a wedding. And he's like, why? Does that matter? She says, yeah, people don't tap dance at a wedding. He's like, why don't they? She says, <laughs> I don't know, actually, but no. This it'd is diff- be weird. It'd be weird. Yeah, it's hard to tap I dance. I can't really explain why it'd be weird, but I think part of it is because you can't do it with a partner. Right. So she's like, I'm going to teach you how to dance with a partner. But there's all these different variables for him. Like, it's more hard. difficult, yeah. even though it's an easier style of dancing, because it's not technical ability. It's like a connection with another person and all this other stuff. Uh, Crusher gets called away uh, because, sorry. What? No, 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 sorry. I uh, uh, I think it's really interesting because it shows Data's very good at knowing the facts, but he's not good at mo- going with the flow. Yes. You know, like dancing with a partner is all about like predicting what they're going to do next and making choices against that. Right. And feeling comfortable doing that. Whereas uh, tap dance is technical and yeah. uh, you need to ha- be proficient in it. It's yeah. kind of like the way he plays violin. Yep. So she's got, uh, Dr. Crusher has got to go because someone's in labor and uh, Data summons this other like, you know, super sexy, sexy dance partner, that, which is probably from Riker's <laughs> data bank. Yeah, totally. And she was a very sexy dancer, though. This it was, is really it wasn't f- like a like just a dance partner. It was like a lady ready for a night out. Yeah. Th- this was obviously from Riker's programs. <laughs> uh, so. I thought it was funny because Crusher has was like telling him to smile. He has this very mechanical smile, mm. and while he's dancing with this lady, the smile is there the entire time. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Again, another great scene. Yeah. Next, Data goes back to the bridge, and Riker is like telling this funny story to these like other crew members, and we hear Data talking in his voiceover about like, man, Riker is so cool. What makes him cool? You know. <laughs> Like, well, why he's, is he such a cool he's guy? He's so relaxed and has a great sense of he's humor. He's so great with the ladies, and like, and it, I think it's because he's funny, and like, and he's trying to figure out how funny and sex are correlated, right? So he does basically call Riker a horn dog. He is, and then Riker makes eyes at that, that woman. Was, that was who weird. Is clearly a subordinate. Yeah, to don't him. do that, Riker. Riker, yeah. abuse of power, dude. So go hang out with that dancer chick in the holiday. Yeah. You're good. Get your rocks off somewhere else, man. Go that to was Risa, some of that works here. for yeah. you. Jeez. <laughs> All this is interrupted, though, because we have this Romulan warbird show up, the Devoris, and it sends a message, and they're like, hey, meet us here, and it's in the neutral zone. So they're meeting a Romulan warbird in the neutral zone, 
which is a scary situation. Oof, dangerous. Tapel tells Data is like, okay, we're gonna hold position at these coordinates, and we're gonna meet them there. And then this uh, uh, Romulan admiral Mendak appears on the view screen, and he's like, okay, I do call Jack Black. He looked like Jack Black. So he tells Tapel, it's like they exchange stuff, and he appears to have this respect for Tapel. Mm-hmm. And as we're told, they would only have this meeting with Tapel, with this Vulcan ambassador. He's like, "Whoa, uh, you are very bold in meeting us here in the neutral zone. This is uh, we we highly respect it." Okay, so send Tapel over on the transporter. And they're like, "All right, we're going to send Tapel over," and they think that this is going to be establishing normal diplomatic relationships. With the Romulans. Right. They will have an embassy with the Romulans, which they do not have. Right. This is a big deal. Big deal. But as they send Tapel over, something breaks down. The pattern breaks down mid-transport. She's dead. Something happened. And they don't know what. Transporter malfunction? Yeah. So Miles O'Brien is, yeah. He's trying to tell, uh, like, Picard and Data and all these people what happened. And he's like, look, I don't know... What happened? Everything seemed normal, but we have this uh, pattern reading, this genetic pattern reading from the ambassador that it's hers. So I don't know what happened. It reads like a malfunction, but nothing went wrong. So something is already kind of fishy. Hmm. And Picard is like, okay, uh, Data, I want you to like just totally investigate everything here because something happened, and I... I this was an inside job. <laughs> That's basically what Picard is saying. Oh, totally. He's like, something's up. Yeah. This just doesn't happen. So Data goes and uh, talks to Jordy, and they're, like, they're going over the, the transporter thing. And in his voiceover, we hear Data talk about how much he respects Picard for introducing him to Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And like he loves Sherlock Holmes. He's like, we're using the powers of deduction to like figure out what happened. Jordy is like, yeah, it turns out transporter is perfectly fine. There's Nothing's a- up. With absolutely it. nothing wrong with it. And O'Brien is like, yeah, uh, we replaced the transition coil last week. There were no problems. Like, I don't know what's going on. And then Dr. Crusher reports that, like, there wasn't enough of her left to do an autopsy. There's just this tiny amount of genetic material left behind. And, like, some molecules, basically, left in the transporter pod. Now, the Romulans are hailing again. We see Jack Black on the monitor. <laughs> And he's telling Picard, he's like, hey, where's Tapel? What's up? What's going on? I thought you were going to send her. And Picard is like, yeah, about that. So she died on the way there, and we have no idea what happened. Yeah, just a random accident, which yeah. is weird, and we're investigating it now. Right. Mendak is like, oh, how convenient for you that yeah. the only person that we would do business with died on the way here. Do so, you not want to do business, Picard? Yeah, I guess you don't want to have normal diplomatic relationships with us. And he's like, no, that's not what happened at all. Like, we're seriously trying to investigate what happened. And he's like, that was a very clever subversion, Picard. Something <laughs> worthy of a Romulan. And he's like, he, he gives this begrudging respect again. Yeah. And Picard's like, no, I'm not a Romulan. Shut up, you're a Romulan. I'm a man. I oh, God. I didn't do that. <laughs> so now Data is going to Dr. Crusher and Sickbay to investigate, like, what was left of this genetic material. Because they can't do an autopsy. There's not right. enough information. The one thing that happened is Dr. Crusher is like, the, there's some mutations in the genetic material. 
it's chemically the same, but there's a couple things that are different. Like a replicator. Like it's been replicated. Yeah. Boom. Case blown wide open. Right. And data is able to deduce that it can't like be this other thing because like the transporter is working just fine. So somebody definitely replicated it. So those remains are not of the ambassador. They are replicated and they're replaced on the ship. The Romulans played a trick Damn. on us. Damn it. Who could have seen so that trusting? happen? Yeah. <laughs> That's so, the thing. God damn it. Data, Jordy, and Riker go into the ready room, and, and they're talking to Captain Picard about what happened. They're like, look, there's only one way this could have happened. There was a second transporter signal that sucked her off the ship, and the Romulans could do that because yep. their technology ex- is exactly the same as ours. Exactly. And they left a bit of replicated genetic material as if she had died. They faked her death. She's on that ship. And so Picard's like, oh, shit. Well, we got to go find that Romulan vessel. <laughs> so uh, they head back, and they find the, uh, uh, what's it, the Dvoris. Yep. It's still in, in the neutral zone. It's heading back home. But they catch it just before it's about to leave the neutral zone. Data's like, well, well in the voiceover, Data's like, there is a small chance that Picard will call for backup from the Federation, which will probably result in a war. He says that there's a 17% chance <laughs> of an international conflict happening over this, which is sounds low, but that's pretty high for, like, you know, a, a world-destroying event. Oh, totally. Romulan ship drops out of warp, and they start talking to the Enterprise. And Admiral Mendak is like, hey, uh, what's your fucking problem, dude? I thought we had already settled this. And, he, and Picard's like, all right, cut the shit. I know you have to pill on there. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you mean this Admiral Tapel? And Tapel shows up. And she's in Romulan dress. What? She's been a spy the whole time. What? The Federation failed. Yeah. That's what I love about this episode, too. It's a bad mission. It's I a know. mission that goes wrong. It went wrong. bad. And then when that happens, there's another warbird that shows up. And Mendak's like, well, looks like we got you, huh? And we hear, we hear this uh, voiceover with Data. And he's like, you know, I've played a lot of poker. And I've learned something about bluffing. You know, about, like, just calling the enemy's bluff. And to seeing if they actually have the cards. And Mendak is like, look, I'm not going to start a war. So it turns out Picard was right. He called his bluff. He's like, he, he knew that he wasn't going to actually open fire. Mm-hmm. And Mendak is like, I'm not going to start a war today, but it may happen any day now. And now we have information on your ship. We were able to get that because we had a spy there. So I suggest you turn tail and go home. Otherwise, things could get real bad today. And Worf uh, calls in. He's like, hey, uh, they have three warbirds coming. Like, it, they just arrived in this sector, and they're warping here. So we should probably go. And the Enterprise turns around and disappears. Wow! They, right? they the gotta Romulans get the hell out won. of there. They stole they the won. information. Yeah, and uh, scared off uh, the Enterprise. Yeah, and as Riker says, sometimes you get the bear, sometimes the bear gets you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Riker! But now we're kind of ending on a happy note because we're back in ten forward, and the wedding is uh, going on. Or uh, right before this happens, Data talks to Keiko in the Arboretum, and she apologizes to him, and yeah. she's like. You need to get ready for the wedding. And he's like, I thought there wasn't a wedding. She's like, no, I changed my mind. Jordy was right. Jordy was right. (laughs) So they're getting married. 
and they had the ceremony. And I don't know if that's, is that a Japanese wedding? ceremony? I guess it was. Yeah, sure. but it's also partly a naval ceremony because Picard is. Oh yeah, doing the honors, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, you know, since the days of Fort and Sally vessels, uh, <laughs> Captain has had the happy duty of blah 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 blah. Back in France, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so they get married, and uh, apparently happily so. And then we get to see Data try out his dance moves. Yeah, and he does a great job. Yeah, he he dances with Keiko as he's fulfilling the duty as the father of the bride. Data's looking around for Dr. Crusher, but he finds Picard in the sickbay, and he's just staring at a baby. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. Lieutenant Juarez had her baby boy, and he's kind of hanging out in the crib. He's got a full head of hair. Yeah. and uh, Some babies are born with full heads of hair. I guess guess so. I've heard that. Uh, and Picard's like <laughs> welcoming the baby aboard or something. Yeah. Like Picard takes these duties of like marriage and his crew members having kids like very seriously. His entire life is on this ship. Like yeah. we we see that through this episode. So now Data is going back to the night shift because he doesn't have to sleep, and he's leading everyone back onto the bridge. And Worf is like, "Okay, everything is normal. We're going to this other planet, and uh, engineering is doing this. Blah blah blah." Is like they're going through this list of the normal everyday details that Data has gone through in his day. And finally, Data is we hear his voiceover, and he's like, you know, being human, it's it's not like one thing. It's 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 a way of acting and feeling and thinking and reacting to things. And maybe one day I'll figure out what that is, but you know, now it just takes practice. And the lights dim, and the ship just goes on its way, and that's the end of the episode. Yep. One thing uh, I wanted to touch on briefly that you skipped over in the wedding sequence is when Data talks about love. And Data says, uh, there's a lot of things about being human I don't understand, but I understand the desire to be loved. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I think is an interesting phrase because... It's, it's not, yeah, love. Love is something you give. Yeah, it's something you do. Yeah. You give to other people. So, like, almost If you get something in return, cool. You want to be loved. I, right. I understand that. But yeah. love, like, but you know, between my wife and I, at least I hope she feels the same way. Like, that's something that it just kind of comes out of me. Like, I turn into a vessel of love and I, like, give it to her. I'm not really uh, uh, trying to seek love back, at least not actively. Um, He's seen it as, like, a transactional. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's a thing that kind of, that you just have, you right. know? So, it almost, like, them... And I don't know if this was intentional or not, but his understanding of love is still even flawed when he's watching a wedding. Yeah. Which I thought was really kind of cool to me. Yeah. Anyway, this is the part of the podcast where we like to rate what we just saw. If it was amazing, must watch Star Trek. We set to kill. If it was pretty good, comes up in the queue, you give it a watch. Uh, we set to stun. And if it was horrible, avoid at all costs, we keep it in the holster. So, Patrick, what'd you think? Set to kill? Yeah! Yeah, no. It was good. It was great. Data, data. I feel like, like with a lot of these data episodes, it does what sci-fi is supposed to do, which is like give you insight on what it is to be human and like how humans interact with each other, and you see it through the eyes of you know this weird android dude. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have a different perspective on it, Mm -hmm. and. So that A-plot was really cool. You know, we get to see Data go through his regular day, which I thought was neat. I always love it when you see it. It's like, what is a normal life? 
for these people. You know, we see him moderate this relationship between his his friends and, you know, like deal with a birth on the ship, which must happen a lot. And what his thoughts are on all that. And then the B plot, there's this international incident, which of course there is. And it's something that may have effects on future episodes. It does. So, you know, there's something to hook you there. Yeah, totally. And, you know, the acting was great. So, yeah, set to kill. It was great. Yeah, same here. Set to kill. No, I love this episode. It's so good. Um, I think it's one of Star Trek's best, uh, or at least one of Next Generation's best episodes easily. Uh, I love that the B-plot, although didn't really have anything to do with Data's Day, was a very satisfying B-plot. It was very well done, Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that the Federation kind of fails, kind of loses, um, I thought was Can't really interesting. Can't win them all. Yeah. Sometimes the bear gets you, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was very interesting, very cool to see. Made it all feel very real. Uh, very human. Um, I think this is one that anybody should see. Even if you don't know Star Trek, you could watch this episode and like really get into it. Yeah. Yeah. So set to kill 100 times. Maximum kill. Maximum kill. Yeah, Damn. It's maximum kill. This would kill a Klingon. Jeez. So good. Well, Patrick, is there anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, no, just... Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for uh, those that donate to our Patreon. Patreon? Yeah, at patreon.com slash pattrek. That's where all of the episodes live. Occasionally, we will do some original series stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you get to that, thank you, and thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. And you can follow me on Twitter at PatLikesAtweet, because Facebook is for noobs. Let's see what's out there. Peaches. Peaches. Oh, sauce. Peaches. Peaches.